Blasting goldies, it's your bye week. We're gonna party like it's your bye week. We're gonna sip an eye and like it's your bye week. And baby, we do not care about the brownies. Well, you can tell by the way we're three and three that the standard's not what it used to be. The poker's loud, the bosses were. We've been kicked around like bars was boats. Now it's alright, it's okay, cause we got here with MTG. It ain't hard to understand. You run with Nash to throw with Ben. Everybody's certainly playing up some pursuit, but we gotta find, we gotta find. Offensive line is shaky and bears wanna play for breaking, but we gotta find, we gotta find. Yoink, 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 yoink. We gotta find, we gotta find. Yoink, 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 yoink. We gotta find. I'm not going to worry about your level of concern. Yoy and double yoy. We talking about Twitter. Triple yoy. Think of how stupid the average person is, and then realize half of them are stupider than that. Quadruple yoy. All right, it's what Jin's talking about. The conversation about the Steelers' social media conversation. I am your host, Kyle Kreis, here every week with the I, I not even a sidekick it's more than that this is uh this is a duo it's greg benevent hello i'm be glad i'm glad to be referred to as a sidekick part of a duo any of it not you know i when you, when you think uh sidekick i think like robin but oh. this is not this is like you know this is like a michael keaton batman up there with the the george clooney batman uh, i certainly appreciate it I, I thought of both of us as george clooney but yes okay does. okay well yeah I, I feel more of a val kilmer <laughs> batman myself um all right well you know if uh, if this is your first time listening we are the podcast that looks at steelers uh twitter steelers social media conversation and you know highlights and lambasts all the hottests <laughs> and worst takes all the hyperbole all all the speculation mm-hmm. and just you know all the all the dummies uh we've been uh i, I we've i've been listening to your feedback you know when mm. when you when you reach out to us we do pay attention certainly i see some of the comments you know like uh like what's with all the sound effects it's annoying okay, you know i hear you <laughs> i hear you but uh you know just like coach t says we do not care so and oh what's with the you know oh there's a stutterer on the yeah 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 i, I might be a stutterer somewhat we uh you know greg might have a uh, respiratory condition all right if you want you know if you want it's asthma if you if you want walter cronkite then there's a million podcasts out there for you in fact uh oh i think another uh behind the steel curtain podcast just dropped so uh Plenty, of, plenty of conversations for you. If uh, if if we're not your bag of tea, is is, is tea coming a bag? I guess tea, 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 tea is one of the few things that does come in a bag, actually. All like, right. Well, let's get to the tweets. All right. It's you know we got to start the conversation with Ben. It's it's you mm-hmm. know it's the it's the victory tour. It's the uh, it's the farewell address. So uh, let's start with at the Steelers in at mm. probably shouldn't count. But I believe because the offense ran at least one play, Ben will get credit for his 48th career game-winning drive, breaking the tie for fourth of all time with Dan Marino. So another uh, notch in Ben's belt, even though it wasn't fourth quarter heroics 
necessarily. Absolutely. Uh, I do believe this should count as a game-winning drive because, again, I don't have in front of me the other, what, 47 to 48 career-winning drives that Dan Marino had. So who's to say all of them were going 90 yards in the Florida sun against the defense with a minute to go? Yeah, and, even you know, I... I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get on the bash Ben bandwagon. But mm-hmm. he did have a couple drives in the fourth to really seal it with a with a you know Ben being Ben fourth quarter victory. But instead mm. we had to we had to go to oh. overtime. Yes. Uh, you know. So should this should this is this his out of out of forty eight career game winning drives is this the forty eighth greatest? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it very well could be if only because what Brian St Pierre got credit for that one when Ben didn't start. Uh, uh, you know. Ben's rookie year but um yeah it's it's I think what is to keep in mind though about your 48th best career game winning drive is it still a game winning drive still ended with a win even if uh (laughs) everything hurts so but that let's get to the Ben bashing of Mm, course it's at Tommy Jaggy my Twitter nemesis yeah yep there are big issues here it starts with Ben Roethlisberger and his inability to put up strong offensive performances against bad defenses how strong of a performance do we need do we just need to win the games or do we need strong victories I mean as an overly emotional person myself I would love a strong victory a game that's over in the second quarter but Alas, winning by a lot of points does not help you like climb the poles in the AFC North. So, <laughs> yeah, what's a? Or are we, are we trying to get on the power rankings here, or are we just trying to get into the playoffs? <laughs> Let's move on to at John Mancuser Jr. Mm. Ben Roethlisberger looking like he's throwing a medicine ball every time he drops back. Is I mean, is there? Is he have a point there? Or I mean, I think his larger point, as I read it, is Ben Roethlisberger is thirty nine years old. That's what I got out of it. Ben does not look like he did when he was twenty two. Sure, it. Uh, I mean, it, it. It. I. I think it's a kind of funny line. I think it's a bit of an exaggeration. But yeah, there are moments where Ben drops back, and you're like, be okay. <laughs> yeah, please don't please don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. We saw hey, you know, I think his deep throws were only 1 for 5 on mm-hmm. 20 yards uh, plus, which we're not expecting to see those anyway. If you're <laughs> if you're a Steeler fan at this point in the season or in this point in the last two seasons, uh you shouldn't be banking on the deep throws. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was 1 for 5 on deep throws and the and the one was was money to oh, uh, yeah. to DJ there? So that was a good one. Yeah, uh, you know, so he might be throwing a medicine ball one out of every few times, <laughs> but he still got the the, the nerf zip. Uh, mm-hmm. How about how about this? At Miked Up Sports One, mm. Ben still dealing with that significant hip bruise. Sources close to the situation say the bruising is all the way from his hip to his kneecap. That wow. doesn't. That sounds painful. That that sounds painful. I mean, that also sounds like the kind of thing that you'd think would happen like every time someone is hit in the side by a National League outside <laughs> linebacker. But um, yeah, that's that's a very close source. If they were able to see Ben like having taken off his pants to see like how he looks, that is. So I trust this report quite a bit. If you if you saw Ben's hip bruising, <laughs> you right. might be a team source. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but let, I mean, let's look at Ben's protection stats, though. Mm-hmm. Only one sack in mm-hmm. the game, and allegedly no hits mm-hmm. in the in the Seattle. And then he had one sack and only one hit against 
Denver. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, might be the best Ben stat line of them all. Absolutely. I mean, those are teams that, despite injuries, really do have great pass rushers. I mean, obviously, the offensive line, you'd hope they would run a little bit better. But there might be something in and hopefully something that develops as we sit here going into the bye week about the idea about like, hey, hopefully these teams are doing more to try and stop the run, which hopefully frees things up for Ben a bit. Got to keep. I mean, we're only going up against coming up. uh uh, Miles Garrett, um, <laughs> the Bears, whatever's the, left of JD on Clowney, or however you say it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the Bears. The Bears are the best pass rush, right, I think, right, right now. Super so, Khalil Mack. And, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. will Ben? Will Ben make it to December? We got to unleash hell in December. Will Ben make it to <laughs> December? I think is the is the question. Let's move on to play calling because okay. if, if the story isn't Ben and what Ben is and isn't doing, it's the mm-hmm. offensive play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's go with. At S City Nation 412, mm. Steel City Nation, when you have eight or nine in the box all night with the safety playing up and you still throw the ball, not try to run into that box, you throw and you throw downfield, not dump offs. What, what the guy's saying is, why are we running so much? What uh, uh, I assume we're running because, you know, someone somewhere along the way saw the stats about like, hey, if Ben throws the ball 50 times or whatever it is, the Steelers record is not great. It, <laughs> I mean, obviously, yes, there you would like to see them adapt to every single play, every single defensive look and, you know, try to find the most, most advantageous way to deal with this particular defense. But as I age, I find there is something to be said for like, hey, this is what we practiced. This is what we do. We're going to do it. Try and stop it. And it can be frustrating when that doesn't work, but quite rewarding when it does. We said on the beginning of the season, why aren't they running it enough? <laughs> right. Why aren't they? We spent a first round pick on a running back. Why aren't we running the ball? Mm-hmm. Now, when we start running the ball, it's like, oh, we're running the ball with eight guys in the box. Yeah, well, that that's what they're giving us. And we're st- we still got to run it. Uh, let's look at okay. the next tweet from at free based tic-tac the sideline bombs on third down never work yet matt uh, this is his yet matt cuckold i won't you know i don't i don't call him that insists on calling them like clockwork uh third down deep well well, here's our third down stats this past game we were Mm -hmm. five for 12 and like i said before the deep ball stats were one for five uh, what, uh, well, you know, what's going on in third down? Well, one, I can't believe it took till this week of the season for someone to actually refer to him as Matt Cuckold. I mean, that <laughs> seems like something the troglodytes would have figured out like by the fourth game of the preseason. I will say, and again, you know, as someone that reacts emotionally to these things and reads these tweets as other people being unable to control their own emotions, there is something far more frustrating about seeing a past 20 yards downfield on third and six fall to the ground than seeing, you know, an out for seven yards get dropped or get knocked out of someone's hands so when you see that it's hard not to think of the reward of all oh, what that could have been and then emotionally lash out while trying to think of literally the most elementary school <laughs> insult you could well plus i mean imagine you're in ben you got to put yourself in ben's shoes mm-hmm. if 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 you see the one-on-one mm-hmm. on your star you know we, we keep seeing claypool is going to be the next calvin johnson hopefully if you, if you see one-on-one on him and uh we know that 
we're going to be a better, we're going to be a more effective offense if we can get chunk plays mm-hmm. than if we're going to try to get 15 play drives <laughs> for four or five times a game. If we can just do it once to the end zone, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, if I'm Ben, don't you want to take that shot? Absolutely. And also, I mean, the fact is Ben has been doing this professionally now for what, 17, 18 years. So he certainly knows that that's what's worked before. This is what he knows to do. You throw it deep, you get those chunk plays. That's how you win a lot. It makes all the sense in the world that if he sees that matchup, he's going to keep going to it uh, and truthfully you don't want him to quash that instinct because by the time he does that's when he misses the one that's open or the throw he could have gotten in there right right you know uh, se- uh seven's your guy seven's your guy is what is the point here you know it's uh we live and die by number seven let's go to at bt jones Mm. Throw the ball on first down, please. Oh, that's now that's a different request. Here, th- these were our <laughs> these were our first down stats. Now, in the first half, we ran it eight times and we mm-hmm. passed it nine times on mm. first down. Pretty uh, pretty even, right? Yeah. Now, in the second half, we ran it eleven times on first and only threw it four times. That's that's a commitment to the run. There should do we yes. is that is that too much run on first down? I mean, this is the first tweet I've read in a long time. That's like, please come back, Randy Feekner. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's that same thing of I read this guy's tweet. It's, it reads to me as the same one as the guy what the guy we talked about before. This is but when you see some, it's just again you reacting emotionally, seeing Najee run into you know a pile of eleven dudes and get two yards because he only managed to break tackles of five of them like that is very frustrating and that's where you start spouting things like this not realizing like oh this this is the tangible real price of keeping the defense honest and even though everyone was having a heart attack based on the scoreboard Mm -hmm. i think we're looking at uh you know this might be a dominate a domination stat here we're running it 11 times for 61 yards in the second half on first down a commitment to the run Mm -hmm. even in the fourth still running it Mm -hmm. uh on first down uh you know in in a tight game that maybe we shouldn't have been as tight but we were playing it with we're playing to win you know we were playing not to lose there what i was going to say just very quickly to interject on that same point i i I rarely watch these things but i encourage everyone to watch the uh uh, cams uh mic'd up video it's lovely because you get to see him cheering and yelling and then there's a great moment where you see the highlights of the seattle score their two touchdowns and cam sit on the bench and go damn we made this a lot harder than it needed to be And it's so funny because I'm like, oh, now I feel connected to the team. I was thinking the exact same thing. You got to keep it interesting. No one wants to tune out <laughs> at halftime. Oh, I, I, I would like to tune out at halftime for a fourth <laughs> touchdown late. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hey, let's go. Uh, how about, you know, how about let's find things to nitpick about even in the good. <laughs> We've got Ed Bouchette oh. here. Though Matt Canada rightfully received kudos for the second touchdown which was the Ebron the touchdown. touchdown. It said everything about their lack of confidence in the run. I, I, I hate to criticize anything from Ed Bouchette. The guy's a legend on merit. He's the absolute, I mean, to, to refer an entire generation of fans, the Steelers are the voice of Ed Bouchette. But uh, I, I, I mean, as much, I hate saying this, but it, it, I, I struggle with that in the same way that Roethlisberger talked to uh, about Josh Dobbs about how can your hand go forward and backwards? <laughs> how does it show a lack of confidence in the run when we're handing off to the tight end? In what, you know, everyone said, oh, where's this Matt Canada, you know, uh, great, you know, exclu- mm-hmm. great offense, the, all the trickery and all the motion. And then when we see <laughs> it's it. all in the red zone. <laughs> yeah. And then when, when it happens, we're, we're going to find something to criticize a bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't like this take. In fact, I hated it. So. <laughs> 
I didn't let's, realize we had that clip. That's great. <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 just give one. Um, let's I'll, you know let's give the final word on the offense here to at Neil Kulong. You know I had skepticism about the Steelers' offense this season, and there's plenty of reasons to have issues. But the job that Matt Canada, Adrian Clem, and Alfredo Roberts have done after this brutal start is commendable. Are we are we are we trending upward? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's. I was skeptical after you know and said, ah, you saw they got better during the Green Bay game, and ah, look, they got better during Denver, and it, you know, and, and there is something to be said for hey, maybe they took a little bit of a step back towards Seattle, but I would argue it was maybe just a half step backward. And, um, and I also think it's interesting is that, you know, and I'm sure we're going to touch on the idea about like, oh, a lot of people thought the Steelers were going to be three and three and they ended up that way. Maybe that's not by the by that. Maybe that's not necessarily the way we saw it happening. However, how many people did you say, oh, the offense is going to struggle a little bit in the beginning of the season? They're going to struggle a little bit in the beginning of the season. And then the offense struggled in the beginning of the season. We were like, wow, the world is ending. So th- th- this absolutely makes all the sense in the world. This Mr. Coolong talking about how what they've done since the brutal spark is commendable. It's not a finished product by any means. But as long as it continues trending upward and at best taking half steps back, it is real progress. Are we? Do, uh, I hate to say it. You know, we, we're on a two-game win streak. Is are, I hate. Are, are we playing our best football, or can can we still play better? Well. It, I'll amend that to say if this is the team's best football, then this isn't going to be too great. <laughs> I mean, they have to keep getting better from here. I would hope. Okay. All right. Well, I yeah, you know, there's individuals. I think that, but certainly, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, at least with Ben and the offensive play calling, this is going to be. Uh, we're, this is what we're going to see more. Mm. You know, more the same, at least in strategy. May hopefully oh, not yeah, in. But- but I think also if the offensive line plays better, more consistently, then this all is going to look a lot better. <laughs> Excuse me, that is one of those breath things again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Let, uh, we, let's take this break. We've got to talk. Uh, we got to get to the defense. So much mm-hmm. defense to talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, between Cam and TJ and just the rest of the defense. Some people aren't aren't that happy with the D. <laughs> Plus, I, you know, we got to get into maybe some special teams mm. and, uh, you know, Tomlin talk. Is Tomlin going to leave? That's that's in there, too. Uh, so much to, to so much to get to. So stick with it. We got to get to commercial. It's probably going to be a, some commercial for another podcast. Oh, I, you know, that's always good. interesting. Like, oh, you know, if you if you're sick of what Ian's talking about, go listen to this other podcast. What if your drive but, is longer than you thought? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should advertise on someone else's podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, Mike. Maybe Mike Beck. What's your going rate right now? All right, hold on. We got it. We'll be back. All right, it's the second half of what Jin's talking about. We're, mm-hmm. we, we 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 played our best half at the first half. Right. Now we're coming back after halftime, and you know We've who made our adjustments. Hopefully, well, we're you know maybe we'll make those adjustments before, sometime before the two minute warning. And all right, let's talk. Let's talk defense. Uh, lot lot to lot to say mm-hmm. about the D, including our defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. It's at Stats by Stats. Tonight, T.J. Watt of the Steelers became the first NFL player to have two sacks and a forced fumble in overtime. Uh, let's 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 keep the let's keep the T.J. love going. Mm-hmm. At Alex Kazor, Steelers with twenty forced fumbles in team history. Three players: Greg Lloyd, James Harrison, 
and TJ Watt. Wow. And uh, and each of those guys had, what, a decade more experience on what? <laughs> yeah. They got to it. <laughs> this is the TJ Watt we expect. I hate to say it. We expect it every yes. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to have a game-changing performance every week. Is this, uh, this is obviously his best of the year or uh, just the best second best of the year <laughs> uh, i mean yeah i mean it's a, th- th- that's the argument you're left with is how excellent he is was this performance where he set a new nfl record that no one else had ever done before was this the best of his year and you have to be like well i don't know exactly it's it's hard to say it um, i mean the thing that struck me when i thought about it a little bit later is they're what the steelers are what three and one in games that tj plays and three and oh in games in which he plays healthy so <laughs> it's kind of hard like it, or games he finishes i guess if you want to i forget exactly when he went out in the raiders game i want to say it was late in the first half but i could it could have been early in the third regardless that you know it's it's that's the that's the reason i could never be truly down on this team they could be terrible they could everything else but and they could also win every game because of players like this they're gonna you know they'll have a chance no matter what is this the I think it could we may have seen the passing of the torch literally in this game. <laughs> ben went from the guy who won games for you in the fourth mm. and now maybe it's it's TJ who wins games for you in the fourth. Can you rely on a defensive player to be your your uh you know your game winning performer there at the end? I, I I don't know if you necessarily can. I think it, it, that becomes a little more plausible to me when you had what three four guys blocking TJ on that uh, the play where he forces the fumble. But I, it was interesting just because when you said the idea of Ben passing the torch, and what I immediately thought of was not TJ, but that truly incredible run by Najee where he catches the ball and gets enough yards to, to make the Boswell uh, 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 field goal in regulation, you know, plausible. Oh, and, uh, so, and that's what I, and that's what I thought of a passing of the torch. Ben literally passing this ball what four or five yards, and now she's going through two guys. Very, very key play, underrated play. That's right. That might have been. You might consider that a game winning play in right. some senses. Exactly. If they'd been able to uh, stop or not, you know, whatever happened with the refs at the end, which thankfully we don't have any tweets about. But yes, <laughs> and um, you know that 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 I think if we don't get to overtime, I think that's what we're talking about in terms of passing the torch all right well let's uh you know don't forget about the other guy on the end there mm-hmm. uh let's go to at Trey day 79 yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey, Essex, Trey back. Essex uh cam was the best player on the field tonight and it wasn't particularly close I mean, it, it, I'm not sure when, you know, Mr. Essex tweeted that. I mean, you could have tweeted that in the fourth quarter and maybe been right. It's a little harder to maybe tweet that at the end of the game. But it's but what a lovely debate to have. Who was the best player in the field tonight? Was it Cam or was it TJ? Perhaps we'll never know. <laughs> We've seen Cam, uh, at least Collinsworth was bringing it up all game, mm-hmm. basically holding the lineman with one hand and then making the tackle with the other. So, I mean, you know, I can't, I don't even know if we've seen Mean Joe himself do things like that. Right. And certainly not against like other guys that were really committed to working out too. Like not guys that were smoking cigarettes, like after the game, that kind of thing. Well, let's keep, uh, let's keep the, the, the case for cam going. Mm -hmm. We've got at Subburger. cam Hayward now tied with Joey Porter for fifth all time sack leader. Uh, I, you know, that's uh, quietly going up the ranks there. I mean, Joey Porter is, uh, you know, fifth all time there. Right. And also, again, I mean, it's not like, you know, the team specifically has Cam to rush the passer. If that happens, that's great. But it's not what he's really like his main focus of what he's doing every time. I mean, it just it, it gets back to what you said about the one arm thing. It shows about how just dominant he is. It's like in the course of doing his job. Oh, I would also like to sack the quarterback. 
How about uh, PFF, my, my favorite oh. uh, stat, at least this week. Sure. At PFF, the highest graded defenders this season. Number two, Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Number one, Cam Hayward. It, it, it is always lovely. And again, I have little use for PFF except in moments like this. I love when there is something great about like you can always use the Steelers for social media engagement. You can either troll the Steelers fans or troll people that don't like the Steelers with something like this. <laughs> And that's what makes that awesome too. I mean, is has Cam probably been the highest among the highest graded defenders? Absolutely. I mean, I don't mean to cast He very well could be your highest graded defender of the season on merit. I don't mean to just goof on that because it's PFF. Well, I mean, could you put him in the defensive player of the year uh, conversation? I know it's only October. See, I always wonder if, I mean, and obviously Cam gets an amazing amount of tackles and sacks, but I always feel like defensive player of the year has to be one of those things that, like, if you've never watched a football, if you watch, like, two football games this season and they're just your hometown team, you can look at the stats of a guy and be like, oh, that's defensive player of the year, which you could always do with Aaron Donald. He can always do with TJ. I don't know about a defensive lineman that plays the way Cam does. You, you, you can He's going to have that stat line, but hey, he might. Who knows? I mean, he's having such a great year. It's entirely possible. I mean, he's not on the mass Singer yet. He's not that <laughs> He's not that much of a household name. I think they're right? going to notice when Cam Hayward is on the mask Singer, regardless <laughs> of the backs. The man is like six foot, 300 some pounds. Well, yes. all right. So if you were watching the game, uh, you heard Chris Collinsworth call Cam, no question, Hall of Famer. Mm. And that, let, that had some of the trolls coming out. We've got Ron Cook over at the PPG. Is Cam really a no question Hall of Famer? I'm not ready to put him in the hall yet. Also, at John Clayton NFL, who uh, was an ESPNer, is Cam Hayward a Hall of Famer? No. When Stephon Tuart <laughs> is healthy, he's better. Hayward a Hall of Famer? Please. Well, Clayton was a guy way back when, was at the Pittsburgh Press, right? When it went down. He was a longtime Pittsburgh, uh, covered the Steelers, if I remember correctly. But, um, I mean, I always grew up with the idea about if you're going to get into the Hall of Fame and you haven't won a Super Bowl, it's incredibly difficult to do. And I, I think, here's the thing, I think if they if Cam does win a Super Bowl, I think it's very hard to keep him out of the Hall. I think if he doesn't, then we get to have these debates uh, uh, for a long time. You know, before this season, I was wondering if Cam was even uh, a Hall of Honor mm. if he qualified. You know, I think this season, I, it's no question. Yeah, and I think there's also something to be said. I, I, I would have thought that Cam was always going to get into the Hall of Honor just because beyond his excellent play, he was always the one that was seen, whether in the media or others, like he's maintaining the Steeler way. You know, yeah. he carries the old ways with him, you know, that kind of thing. So you you think it's going to take a ring to get him a yellow jacket? I, I think, yeah, because I mean, I just think it, it's going to be tough. And again, the the thing about the Steelers' saturation in the Hall of Fame is real. I mean, that oh, is yeah. with, the, with the voters outside of this. It does like, okay, you're a Steeler. Okay, you have to do something <laughs> truly exemplary to get in now. Like, uh, well, there's not a lot of love for the rest of the defense. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to at Chris Muller PGH. I've seen better peewee football players, nine and ten year old peewee football players, tackle better than the Steelers secondary. Uh, a couple things here. I mean, yeah, the tackling was poor, and it could have been better. And secondly, uh, that particular tweet from Chris Muller was—he he was quoting Caller Eric. And then tweeting out the words of Caller Eric. And if you find yourself tweeting the words of Caller Eric, perhaps this didn't need to be tweeted. But um, but yeah, I, I the tackling was frustrating. It was bad. I mean, I at this point, I'll come back to someone I think we've criticized in the past, who I am a big fan of, is Mark Caballi, who I believe in one of his observations was like, yeah, the Steelers tackling was bad. But every year, even in the best years, there's always like one game where the tackling really falls apart and it's inexplicable and strange. And I remember that like back to the 90s. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So hopefully this was the one game where, for whatever reason, nobody's hands worked and this was the, that uh, turns around. WD forty game. Right. 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 Yeah. I think Josh Cribbs is still running somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It, Although, you know, we should give credit. I, there were some good tackles. Trey Norwood, I think. Oh, absolutely. A good game on the tackle. I love Trey Norwood, um, yes. And then that might that might be it. Yeah, uh, exactly. The one, <laughs> the seventh-round pick fighting for the job. Yes, absolutely. He had the big tackling going. Mm-hmm. What about uh, everyone's favorite troll, at Mark Madden X? <laughs> I can't call that an elite defense anymore. I'm through pretending that it is. I mean, who was, was anyone calling this an elite defense? Here's our ranks. We're 12th in scoring. We're 13th against the rush and we're 20th against the pass that seems middle of the pack that seems utterly middle of the pack uh i i think it was an elite defense up and you know uh, up until like the second quarter of the raiders game i mean i think it was elite against buffalo i think when guys started getting hurt it's elite potential you know kind of dropped a bit but again this entire debate comes back to how do you define elite which is, you know, the angels dancing on a pen of football nerds. <laughs> How elite do you have to be if you're getting five sacks a game? I, I mean, it's a yeah. And even then, I, I we're, we're, it seems like we're falling back into that, you know, and hopefully I'm wrong about this. But a few years back where the Steelers had like 50 sacks, but like 10 turnovers. Remember how bizarre that was? Like the ball just kept bouncing away from them. And frankly, you saw a fair amount of that in this game, too. Yeah. Or else this entire conversation is maybe vastly different. We may not meet. We may not get that 50 sack. Uh, mm-hmm. This might be an off year on sacks, right. but that doesn't mean that our defense isn't our our strength at least, or, or a strength. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go. Uh, one more thing on D. Mm-hmm. Let's get to at by Josh Carney. Mm. There's not a single thing Robert Spillane does better than Devil Devin Bush. Full stop. Why? Why are we seeing Robert Spillane out there instead of Devin Bush and uh, Schobert? I, I, I mean, I, I wondered that same thing myself. I mean, what I kind of thought, and having, and I didn't hear anyone back this up, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I, I can see getting frustrated with, okay, you know, guys, the Seahawks have walking in off the street, r- ripping off like 15 yard runs in the third quarter, and being like, all right, Geno Smith is out there. I'm going to roll the dice with this one guy who knows how to do one thing, and that's tackle the run. I can see that, but I, 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 again, it's very hard for me to make that mental leap to like, okay, this is worth taking Devin Bush off of the field. Now, I'm, I hate to be one who speculates, but I'll throw this out there. We've been seeing Spillane in the dime package with uh, where the rest of the front is usually uh, number eight, okay. number 56, mm-hmm. and number 90 out there. So that means Spillane is like the fourth guy in that area. Now, you know, because he can run vertical north and south and meet the guy at the line of scrimmage, is he kind of, you know, in case, uh, you know, a QB contain situation or, a, you know, a check down on third down where you got to stop him before the sticks? Is, is, is that why he might be your best uh, situation in there? I, I would assume just because I would note in every situation you referenced there, it didn't require Spillane covering a person for m- much long at all, if indeed he does. So that so that's where I'm like, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, if he has to either A, not cover somebody or B, do it for like a second to the point where he reaches out or something. Because, I mean, you know, what we're not seeing from Devin Bush, we, we've seen a couple sacks, but we're not seeing, not that he ever was, the run stopper of, of Vinnie Williams, 
of a uh, Lawrence Timmons. You know, mm-hmm. it's just he's not that role. Well, what I'm hoping, you know, and, and and I know there has been some pushback to, hey, Devin Bush hasn't been, you know, the superstar we hope for at this point. And there's also an argument for, hey, he's returning from an injury. He's only played but so many games. What I like to think is if nothing else, and I don't know if this is the case, it's just by simple virtue of having Bush out there over Spillane that makes you just the other team just a little bit more reticent to throw the ball over the center of the field, to throw to the tight end, to throw to the wide receiver in the middle there. It just by having that rangy guy makes them at least reconsider that play call, if not uh, avoid it entirely. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to look pretty, right? Right, <laughs> right, coach? We're not worried about style points. Tell them. <laughs> All right, let's move. Uh, let's let's talk special team. We okay. never talk special teams. Uh-huh. Uh, here's, here's the tweet from Jay Hartman Pitt right here at uh, mm-hmm. BTSC. Big Press is the Steelers' MVP so far. This is first half tweet. <laughs> now, I think maybe first half MVP, maybe? Yeah, I mean, Big Press was pretty good. At, uh, I know he had the rough uh, punt in the uh, uh, second half there, but uh, he also had a great punt in overtime. That yeah, you know, besides the besides the punt that was pretty atrocious, I think they were all within the twenty. I mean, there might have been one that went into the end zone, but I think they were all mm-hmm. down within the twenty. Good game from him. And uh, let's go to at DVE Randy mm-hmm. Randy Bauman. Uh This is the best Boz moment in Pittsburgh <laughs> since Boz Skaz played a free show for eighty for forty thousand people, and there was an all night traffic jam. Is it was this was this Boswell's biggest moment? Uh, I mean, uh, having made so many kicks in the playoffs, it really can't be. But the biggest Boswell moment in a while, sure, absolutely. I mean, it's it's this conversation is entirely different if he misses any of those kicks, very few of which were like from twenty five yards. That's right. We've had the the bigger kick might have been the one to yeah. uh, to get twenty the, points. Right, the regulation one was huge. Yeah. What uh, you know, the biggest Boz moments I can think of there was. AFC uh, playoff win, mm-hmm. uh, 2015. Yeah. Uh, playoff win against the Bengals, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's the Vontaze perfect uh, goes nuts game, yes. Oh, the Joey Porter the won thing. us yes. the game. That's that was right. The Joey Porter, yes. And then in 2017 is the year he went to the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. and he had game winners that year. I think it was maybe three out of four weeks, yeah. like Cincy, Baltimore, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's hard to find the the greatest. Right, exactly. That's another difficult thing to find. I mean, you could do a whole separate podcast about what is the best Boswell kick. I mean, it's preposterous. And just for the record, uh, highest uh, fuel fuel goal percentage since 2019, number one, Chris Boswell, 93.7%. That's that's a number you don't see in sports. It is astonishing. I mean, it's and just looking at you have it printed up here, it's actually higher than Justin Tucker, who very well could be and probably is the greatest kicker ever. So that uh, it really says a lot. And again, I mean, I know they're in the same division, but folks, the weather is rougher in Pittsburgh than it is in Baltimore. Yeah, right. yeah. And mm. the uh, and the fans are... are uh... <laughs> All right. Um, let's quickly let's move on. Let's go to man. Let's you know we're <laughs> we're so already much. there's so much going on. We're already at uh, like almost we're over a half hour. <laughs> so let's just let me let's just do a speed round of some miscellaneous things. Sure. How about uh, at Miked Up Sports One? Ray Ray McLeod out snapping James Washington fifty two to eight. It's bonkers. <laughs> 
I mean, it is surprising to me. I I, I always think, you know, I, I, my mother refers to her dog sometimes as Ray Ray, and it's hard for me not to look at Ray Ray McLeod as like that same size as, you know, a, a basset hound and just going to be uh, hit and broken into pieces. I mean, it, it surprised me, and it didn't seem to necessarily work in a way that I could ascertain. I mean, I would certainly rather have James Washington out there more often, but not everyone does the same job. They thought Ray Ray could do this for a reason, and maybe eventually they'll be validated with that. The I think the official reasons we got because I assumed well mm-hmm. Washington wasn't a hundred percent. That's obviously. what I assumed too. Yeah, but you know the the answer we got from Tomlin and then from Ike Hilliard was it had to do with matchups and because Ray Ray has been backing up Juju all year, mm-hmm. they felt more comfortable with him mm-hmm. in the slot. Does any of that make? Does any of you buy in any? I of mean, that? yeah, I absolutely buy all that because I, I I know that they take very seriously the idea about these. You know, we think of oh, it's wide receivers. And interchangeable well they don't i mean they really do see these as highly specialized unique positions because they are they require different skill sets and different training so yeah when you put it that way it does make more sense that you know ray ray would back up juju but as soon as i say that the one thing i can think of is you know juju catches a four yard pass on third and five and two dudes are hanging on him and he carries them for the first down whereas you know if two if ray ray tried that he'd get evaporated are we going to see James Washington more or is this kind of are, are we are we seeing what his role is and it's not really that much of a contributor? I hope we see James Washington more. I mean, for me, I, James Washington is frozen in time catching that deep touchdown pass from Doc against the Browns where he was like lying down at, at the end of it. But uh, I hope we see him more. It seems like he has a lot more to offer for, for a team that, you know, even at this date is still offensively challenged in many aspects. We can't verify that that's true but it certainly sounds right. Uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Tucker. Um, all right, let's go to... Oh, let's let's talk... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, let's talk uh, post-game press nice. conference at Big Rashad. This has got to be a top five, maybe a top three moment in Mike Tomlin press conference history. If you missed it, let's uh, let's hear it. I hated it. <laughs> I, I just... I just... I hated it. That's all I'm going to say. It was an embarrassment. <laughs> Woo! Was that, you know, we were talking about the, the refs at the, we're talking about the, you know, the game. It didn't really, I don't know if it really changed, would have changed the outcome in, in a certain way, but uh, Tomlin was pretty fired up about it. Uh, yeah, they all were. It um, and, and the more you look at it, the more weird things you can see about it from, you know, the refs essentially letting them place the ball before everyone's set to Russell Wilson inexplicably running on the field to, <laughs> I mean, there's so much bizarre that, ha- I mean, again, for a franchise of fans that essentially live only to complain about the referees, it is always something that this seems to favor Seattle. But regardless, I, 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 that to me said just how serious this moment was for someone like Tomlin, who is so well-spoken, so intelligent, and so knows what the right thing to say to get through this moment is, and he simply refuses to do it. That said to me just how egregious all of this must have been. So did you do you feel that, that that is a top five Tomlin moment there? Well, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's a top five moment for me in terms of, like, being a fan that loves the team and feels that same level of, like, you know, uh, emotional anger over the way that went at the end i'm not sure it's a top five moment that like tomlin would choose from a press conference (laughs) in terms of how he'd like to be perceived or present himself in the team oh i mean you know i don't know how you'd want to frame it you Um, can frame it however the hell you want to frame (laughs) it okay all right coach fine but uh how about how oh you know how Mm -hmm. about this how about at 
uh, at Steel at Steel City Star. Mm-hmm. Curious to know who most people think the third best QB in Steelers history is. And the poll went with 41% Cordell, 39% Neil, 17% Bobby Lane, 5% Bubby Brister. Who's our third greatest QB? I, I, I'm, I'm with these people. I could go back and forth between Cordell and Neil. I, I, I mean, in terms of pure talent, it's hard for me not to think Cordell. I mean, as as people that know football far, far better than me would point out at the time, when Cordell was surrounded by talent, he was very good. And when he was surrounded by less talent, less so. But, I mean, now as I get older and you see what the league is, can you imagine what Cordell would have been in this NFL? The one where you could run free and dudes are always open and all this time and all this. I mean, it's, you know, you could see the old clips of him running 80 yards in Baltimore or something like that in an entirely different era. But Cordell today would have been way, way better than he was back in the day. I'm quite confident of that. You know, he definitely would have been more of a Lamar Jackson type. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I mean, but, you know, there is a little. I think Cordell has a better arm. I think it is best. Oh, I think he did. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, who who can who can forget the Hail Mary right. in Colorado? Right. But, you know, he was not necessarily a system quarterback. Right. You know, he very much liked the backyard ball and mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm all for too, but uh, I, you know, it, it, I don't know. Sometimes I think there's a little revisionist history with Cordell. Mm-hmm. I think maybe O'Donnell might have been maybe the better pure quarterback. Oh, for sure. And, and both of them look great when Yancey Thigpen was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's let's move on to at Shannon W four five five O our own Shannon White here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is talking about. Aaron Rodgers uh, going off on the Bears. Imagine Ben behaving like Aaron Rodgers against the Bears or screaming at his O-line like Tom Brady. Uh, or even, I'll even throw in uh, Baker, where Baker Mayfield said, I get to say whether I play or not, and that's just how it is. Does, does this show us, when we see how other quarterbacks in the league act, does this show us maybe that uh, Ben is really a bigger leader than we give him credit to be? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, or at least is professional enough to never let these moments occur. I mean, what's What's interesting is about these these childish, immature moments that you've all presented, uh, with the exception of the Baker one, because he doesn't have the reputation of the other two men, obviously, is often given to us in the frame of, well, that shows just how much he cares and how intense he is and how much it means to him. It's like, no, he lost control of his emotions and took it out on his co-workers or those that expect better of him. That's what it actually is, that Ben has that kind of control and reserve is only a virtue and asset. And a leader. Right. Uh, yes, that, that's what I meant. Virtue and asset is synonyms for that, but sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, one more uh, one more quick thing. Uh, at Colin Dunlap. Oh, boy. Got to get him in there. <laughs> Doug Whaley just said on our show that he could see Mike Tomlin leaving for LSU or USC. <laughs> I think also someone said this week that they could see the Raiders making a play wow. for Tomlin. Why do people? Uh, why are people so quick to, to usher him out of Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, it's one because it gives you something to talk about. It's always going to get the attention. The Steeler fans are a huge media market out there. I mean, the Raiders thing is just that, you know, these are people that want to see the Raiders be good. So we're going to throw that out there and talk about it. I mean, for me, what's always been the subtext of whenever they, Tomlin is connected to a college team, which again, of course, he hasn't coached in a million years, is that there we all have seen those 
clips of Tomlin being so into, you know, educating and being compassionate towards college players coming to the league. I mean, that wonderful clip of him with Justin Fields. What was it? Ohio State's workout day. That's where I feel so much of this comes from. You see Tomlin with college kids. You're like, oh, in this brief snippet, this is an absolute perfect fit. This guy'd be a tremendous college coach. But man, you know, I don't really follow college football. But in the last week, didn't Joe Burrow's college coach who won the national championship a year when Joe Burrow was there just get fired? Like Tomlin's not leaving where that kind of foolishness can occur. Like it's is I mean, is this head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers the best job in all of football? If not professional sports, it's certainly the one that's like the most stable and the most tenured. I mean, it's, it's, you'll notice they always throw out that phrase. I mean, perhaps it's more with hockey and baseball, but about how, you know, you're hired to be fired. This isn't that job. (laughs) I look at uh, some of the big programs, even like Ohio State, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in an off year where for an Ohio State off year is they're not the national champion. Right, they're like nine and three or something. I see, I see the boosters already, you know, they have their comments and they have have their agendas and mm-hmm. i just can't see uh someone with tomlin's kind of he's a professional and so right. they have to deal with the extra drama oh man and that includes other nfl teams uh, mm-hmm. you know uh we're, we're going way long let's get to <laughs> let's get to the final word we'll just uh we'll get two 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 quick things here mm-hmm. first off at sam chachir mm-hmm. simply gold jacket city Steelers. Uh, yeah. that, that was uh in reaction to all the Hall of so it was alumni weekend. All the Hall mm-hmm. of Famers were back, and you saw, you know, not just you saw rows of right. yellow jackets. There, there are high schools that don't really have an alumni weekend versus like a <laughs> professional football team that had. And it's not like it's alumni weekend. Like, hey, here's this dude in like 1996 that went to the Pro Bowl. Like, no, it's an entire alumni of Hall of Famers. That it's it's until you see that and until you see what it's like in other cities, you don't realize how rare that is. Yeah, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> and let's give the final, final word here to at Men of Steel, CJR. Despite the roller coaster of a season, once again, the Steelers find themselves in control of their own destiny and currently the seventh seed in the AFC. Playoffs? I mean, the two things. One, I, I, I know this person must be someone I could get along with because they also uh, capitalized all of control of their own destiny, just <laughs> as I did in notebooks when I was 11 years old. But I'm struck by the fact, despite this roller coaster of a season, once again, it's been six games. <laughs> if this is a roller coaster, we're barely halfway up the first hill. What roller coaster is that? I don't want to go back in down. line. <laughs> yeah, what? It, it, you're by the thing that says you're tall enough to get on the roller coaster. The roller coaster is just getting stuck started oh you mean it's going to be even more heart heartache and and more high blood pressure going forward oh the one thing i I, what i've learned conclusively is that bad takes do not take a bye week Uh, and with that, we should probably wrap it up there. Uh, I'm Kyle Christ. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Christ. Greg, where are you on the internet? I am uh, at Greg Benevent on Twitter and Instagram. That's G-R-E-G, B as in boy, E-N-E, V as in Victor, E-N-T. All right. And until next week, when we're, we're ready to take on some AFC North football. Uh, until then, be the standard or or... Just, just chill. Just chill.